evening to those of you who are joining us here at St. Paul Baptist Church for our noon and evening TNT. My name is Karen Archibald and pastor has asked me to share with you this afternoon and this evening our Thursday noon and night Bible study. So I am so happy to be with you and to continue our study of the book of Galatians chapter five, verses 16 through 26. Let's begin with a word of prayer. God, you are such an awesome, wonderful, matchless God. And we thank you for another opportunity to come together as sisters and brothers in Christ all over the city, state and nation and world to learn more about you, to try to be more like you in all that we say and do. And Lord, right now, we just ask that you take charge of this time of study, speak to us, speak through us, and help us to um, welcome you into our lives so that we can walk in the spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, it's so good to see each of you um, who are coming in this afternoon. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. I see you um, chiming in your good afternoons. Um, today we're, we're talking about how to live a life of freedom by walking in the spirit. And we're looking at Galatians, the fifth chapter verses 16 through 26. By way of introduction and background, since we've been in the book of Galatians, in the letter to the Galatians for some weeks now, we've been talking about freedom. Freedom means life and liberation. And you know, our choir sings this song, freedom, freedom, no more shackles, no more chains. No more bondage, I am free, yes. So today's lesson is a continuation of Paul's letter to the Galatians about this freedom in Christ. Most early converts to Christianity were Jews who struggled with the thought of how Gentiles, which were non-Jews, can be a part of the kingdom of heaven. There was a group called the Judaizers, who taught the Gentile Christians that in order to be truly saved, they had to submit to the Jewish laws and traditions. This controversy caused friction in the early church. Paul wrote this letter to refute the Judaizers and call believers back to the pure gospel. And the pure gospel is simply that Jesus came to earth, lived, suffered, and died on a cross, was raised from the dead with all power over sin, hell, and the grave in his hand, that we might have life and have it more abundantly, that we are saved by grace through faith, nothing else. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, for by grace you are saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So this is true freedom. So how do we celebrate our freedom? Well, we celebrate our freedom by walking in the spirit. So let's read our text for today. In whatever version you have, I'm going to actually be reading from the King James Version today. 
This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you cannot do the things you would, but be led of the spirit, you are not. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. All right. So let's begin our time of study. Verse 16 says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. To walk in, by, or live by is to be occupied with, tread all around. It's when our heart is oriented toward or in tandem with God. And so our heart is to be oriented or in tandem with God in the spirit. And the spirit is God's spirit. It's the third person of the Trinity. He, God, the Holy Spirit. When Jesus rose from the dead and ascended back into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit. For those of you who have been in CEO, look in your CEO handbook on page five. It states there, the Holy Spirit is a real person, not a religious fervor or a righteous attitude. The spirit literally means breath or wind. God's spirit lives in all Christians. The Holy Spirit communicates God's truth to us, convicts us when we sin, convinces us that God's ways are right, and comforts us when we are sad. John 16, 7 through 15 is a reference, and God sent his Holy Spirit to guide us after Jesus left the earth. John 14, 16 through 18 says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him 
because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So we're instructed to walk in the spirit. And when we walk in the spirit, we will not accomplish the longings of the flesh. In reading this passage, hopefully you heard the repetitiveness of two words. The first word was spirit. It is mentioned seven times in this passage. And the word flesh is mentioned five times. Flesh is our human nature that we were born with due to the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It is that which we naturally gravitate to based upon our desires for personal satisfaction and gratification. So there's a war going on. The spirit against the flesh. Verse 17 tells us, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. And I, in another portion of scripture, Paul said, when I would do good, evil is all around me. That that I would do, I don't do. And that that I don't want to do, that I do. So we have to realize as Christians, we are in a spiritual warfare. However, we have what it takes to win. We have the Holy Spirit. The flesh sets its heart upon and longs for things contrary to the spirit and vice versa. So the question is, which is going to win? And we have to answer that question daily in our lives in all of the decisions that we make. But the, the, the point is you don't have to be in bondage. Verse 18 tells us, if you be led by of the spirit, you are not under the law. And if you remember, Paul is writing because there were Judaizers who were teaching that the Gentile Christians had to do something other than accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They were teaching that they had to obey the law. They had to be circumcised in order to be saved. So this passage is telling us you don't have to be bound by the law of Moses. The law cannot condemn Christians because Christ already paid the penalty of the law. That doesn't mean that we go around in our lives. Oh, that doesn't mean that we just do whatever we want to do in our lives. That means that we don't rely on the law as our source of salvation.
So, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other so that you could not do, you cannot do the things that you would. So the flesh sets its heart upon and longs for things contrary to the spirit. The acts of the sinful nature, however, in verse beginning in verse 19 says, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So here we have a long list of the works of the flesh. Um, and most of these, I'm sure we um, are aware um, of what they mean, but I will point out lasciviousness. That is a feeling or revealing an overt or offensive sexual desire. So when we operate outside of the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, we tend to get into trouble. We get into sexual relationships that God has told us that we shouldn't. We wind up um, worshiping things that are not of God, that are not God, uh, we begin practicing things such as witchcraft and, you know, just hating people for no reason, um, going against the word of God, um, envying, murder, and murder is not always just um, killing someone physically, but you can kill someone with your tongue. Um, drunkenness, revelings. Um, those who practice these things as a lifestyle are operating in the flesh. But we don't have to do that as Christians because we have power over the flesh. And the consequences of such a lifestyle is that, as the scripture says, we will not be an heir of the kingdom of God. So we have to make up in our minds who we're going to serve. Are we going to serve the flesh or are we going to serve God? But Jesus already paid the price that we can be free we can be free from the bondage of these things in our lives. And so um, we have to make a conscious effort to do the things that are of God. And so next, the scripture tells us 
how we are to live. What are the things that are displayed through the Holy Spirit operating in our lives? And verse verses 22 through 23 say, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And so, first of all, we have to understand that there is one fruit, but nine qualities of that fruit. And let me give you a, an illustration. For those of you who can see me visually, you see that this is a pretty red apple. This is a piece of fruit, one piece of fruit, but let me tell you about the qualities of this fruit. And I'm telling you because I've eaten one, it's sweet, it's juicy, and it's delicious. This can be an analysis or an analogy to the fruit of the spirit. If we operate in the spirit of God, we will demonstrate the qualities of love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. So you might be saying, all right, I am a Christian. I want to live for God, but there are people in my life who get on my last nerve. How can I operate in the fruit of the spirit? Um, the answer is twofold. First of all, are you a Christian? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you surrendered your will to him? And then the second is, are you crucifying the flesh daily? And there are several ways that we can crucify the flesh daily. One way to crucify the flesh is by spending time in God's word, studying God's word, coming to Bible study like you did today. Um, prayer, being in fellowship of other like-minded individuals who are seeking to live as you are seeking to live. Now, it doesn't mean that you're, you won't be challenged, you won't be tempted, you won't be tested. It doesn't mean that there won't be struggles in your life, but it does mean that when daily you focus on God's word, God's will for your life, and ask God to help you do those things, that God gives you strength through his spirit 
Remember the Holy Spirit is our counselor, our guide, our convictor, and he will help us. And when the world looks at us, they will see the fruit of the spirit in us. They will see this love, this joy, this peace, this long suffering, this gentleness, this goodness and faith. When everyone else is responding one way, they'll see that you are responding in another way. And that is the way that people come to inquire about this God that you serve because they know that in and of the flesh, we would be doing the same things that others are doing. We would go off on people, we would cuss people out, um, we would be rude and we would act on our impulses, but the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God lives in us. We have to decide whether we're gonna quench the spirit or we, whether we are going to allow the Holy Spirit to rule in our lives. So remember, one fruit, nine qualities. Sweet, juicy, delicious, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There's not a law against those things. We have to allow God to work in our lives because we he already paid the price for our freedom and we don't go, wanna go back to a life of bondage. So the question for us today is, where does your help come from? Psalm 121.1 says, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not suffer my foot to be moved. And so we can be free. We can walk in the spirit. We can be a sweet aroma of the presence of God in our lives. So um, are there any questions at this time regarding this lesson? Any questions? I see that um, we are thanking God for the what he has given us and how he has um, kept us. Uh, I don't see any questions. All right. Well, at this time, um, I want to remind us that on Sunday is our church's 122nd anniversary and all are invited to come and share 
in the celebration of God using St. Paul Baptist Church to be um, a witness, to be an extension of the fruit of the spirit in this community. And also I want to invite you to um, the women to register for Women's Weekend. Um, that information, um, it is May 14th and 15th, and you can go online and get more information about that. And also we want to give you an opportunity at this time, if those, for those of you who would like to share in the act of worship in giving, you can bring your tithes or offerings to the church here at 1401 Allen Street in the form of cash, check, or money order, or you can mail them to the church, your cash or check to 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. You can give on our church website at stpaulbaptist.church. Look for the, the emblem of church life or ACS and click, and you can give that way, or you can download the app Givelify to your smart device and give in that way. We appreciate your um, gracious generosity to this ministry at St. Paul. And we know that God has blessed us and has given us his spirit so that we can um, display and live out the fruit of the spirit in our lives. And we do that using the resources that you contribute. So we thank God for you and we thank God for this opportunity and let us have our closing prayer. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. And Lord, we just ask that you help us to first of all, accept you as Lord of our lives, knowing that you know what's best for us. We thank you that we're, we don't have to be bound by the law. We thank you that we have a savior who paid the price for our sins at Calvary, that we can live in freedom, that we can walk in freedom, and we can um, display the fruit of the spirit in our lives. Lord, we want the world to see your spirit living in us. We wanna be more loving. We wanna be more meek. We want to be more long-suffering. We want to be more gentle. We want to be more patient. And Lord, we know that um, the trials will come, but you said greater is he who's in us than he who is in the world. So we're standing on your promises and we're inviting you to um, continue to lead and guide us by your Holy Spirit so that we can walk in the freedom that you made possible for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, and I look forward to seeing each of you on Sunday. God bless. Hello, St. Paul. I bring you greetings from the Academic Resource Ministry with exciting news for the graduating class of 2022. It's scholarship time. Scholarship applications are now available for graduating high school disciples. Class of 2022, you have opportunities to receive funds for your future endeavors from the Academic Resource Ministry, Men of Valor, and Deacon Family Ministry. Application packets are available on the St. Paul Baptist Church website. 
Requirements vary, so please read each packet closely. The deadline for all three scholarship opportunities is Sunday, May 29th. For questions, contact the ministry lead on the application. Thank you, St. Paul, and be blessed. God of wasness, he, he is the God of history. He is the God who was, who stepped into nothing and nothing made everything, who flung the stars against the darkness of the night and scooped out the mountain, scooped out the valleys and pushed up the mountains, who put the blush in the rose and the purity in the lily. He's that God who caused the moon, the silver queen of the night, to dance across the darkness of the severial sin. He's that God who summons the sun out of its oriental chamber and sent it across its iridescent rays, galloping across its iridescent rays. He's that God, the God of history, the cosmic shepherd. Now it's our turn to sing these. The song is unfinished. It is our turn to sing a song of hope. A better world is possible. It is our turn to sing a song of assessment that the world that we are in is untenable. It is our turn to sing the song of faith that says the God who sees and the God who hears is also the God.